Hey guys, it's your girl Marisa, and I'm here again with my partner in crime, my ace in the hole, Dorian Wallace, and this is Madari Music. So today we're going to bring you guys into our world of music therapy. Um, we are going to do some lyrical analysis, which I'm really excited about. Um, so Dorian has some some songs that I've never heard, which is great. I wanted it to be an authentic experience so that you guys could really see uh, what we do. Um, so he's gonna play the songs. I'm also here with my family. Um, so we're probably just gonna tag some folks in to see what they're getting from the content that we're listening to. Um, so I'm really excited. Dorian, do you have anything you wanna jump in and say? Oh, yeah. wait, before that, oh, go ahead. I just have to tell you guys. Uh, so the other day I took my family to see Dorian and his wife play at a theater in Williamsburg. Um, this is this is my first ever experience. So I don't know what uh, this type of performance is called. Dorian can give you guys the like the, the proper terms for it. But Dorian was killing him on the piano and his wife was killing him on the violin. It was like a, a Tony Braxton and Babyface collabo in like in, in person. And I was beyond amazed and taken aback and just like speechless when I left. It was just really good. Um, I was able to bring some of my young people in to, to just experience this new thing. Um, and it was just so dope. We were watching a movie called Alice. And they, there were no, like, there was no dialogue. They were just playing the music, but you definitely got the sentiments of the moment um, in a way more impactful way. So that was dope. Um, Dorian, you want to share a little bit about it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, you know, my wife and I, uh, with our um, collective 10th intervention, that's the name of it. Uh, one of the things we do is we do silent film accompanying. So like live score to silent movies. And we've done a lot of older movies. We've done a lot of newer movies. We've even done, you know, like scores to the planet Earth nature documentaries, which are actually really, 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 really amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, this was our first gig at a really cool independent film theater uh, called Nighthawk in Brooklyn. Um, we've been trying to get in with them for about a year and we finally got our first gig with them. But, um, you know, it's kind of the it's we really are doing a modern take on uh, the traditional, uh, you know, piano playing to the silent film, but we use like utilize synthesizer and loop pedals and uh, you know, all of those sorts of things. And then the film itself, um, it was a Jan Swankmeyer uh, film from the eighties um, called Alice, which is about, it's Alice in Wonderland, but it's done in this really like creepy psychedelic stop motion um, filming. So it's really cool. Um, so today, uh, you know, this is just um, something that uh, I've been wanting to do for a long time in my own practice uh, within music therapy. Uh, but this is um, kind of a combination of uh, music education, music history and music therapy. So it's not um, it's not, you know, going to be straight up uh, therapeutic, even though that's a part of it. But I uh picked three songs, um, old songs, you know, all of these are pre 19, um, 
1940, uh, or at least pre-1950, um, of uh, the blues and uh, labor music tradition. And, you know, these are three pieces of music that uh, I wanted to share with um, Di Marisa, you know, just because they're, they're really important um, for a lot of the music we utilize, uh, you know, a lot of our focus um, as musical oriented healers is uh, really taking on, um, you know, American centered music, as well as music that's exploring pain, trauma, imagery, uh, and also has a political edge to it because, um, you know, you cannot address trauma without being political. Uh, so anyways, um, the first one that I'm going to play, and this is where it's a little different than uh, a straight up music therapy session is I'm actually going to give a little bit of context on, uh, on the music first. Um, in, in music therapy, in this sort of space, I usually uh, just kind of let the music speak for itself. Um, but uh, I think that there's some historical uh, context that, that, that can be used. So um, this first one is called Dark Was the Night and Cold Was the Ground. And it's a gospel song uh, that actually has no lyrics, but it's by a really, really brilliant American musician named Blind Willie Johnson. And it was recorded in 1927. Uh, the song is primarily an instrumental, uh, but it's featuring Johnston's uh, self-taught approach, but also amazing approach to bottleneck slide guitar. So what that is, is he took a beer bottle and he uses it on the guitar neck to create a sliding sound. Um, and he also uses a finger picking approach uh, uh, while he vocalizes various hums and moans. Um, so I got familiar with this piece uh, because it's one of 27 samples of music that's included on the Voyager, uh, the Voyager 1 space satellite uh, on the Voyager 1's golden record. So basically Carl Sagan, who is, um, you know, one of my, one of my boys, uh, and he, uh, when, when, when the Voyager 1 space station was, uh, or sorry, uh, space satellite was being sent out into outer space, he wanted to include um, basically uh, a note in case any intellect, uh, intelligent life came across it. And the golden record, they chose uh, 27 samples of music from all around the world. And, you know, Carl Sagan is very much... Um, uh, very much a humanist, so he did not, you know, just choose American-centric uh, or even white-centric uh, music he chose from all over. Uh, I believe on the Golden Record, there's also uh, 40 different languages of children saying hello. Um, but uh, yeah, one of my all-time favorite jokes, because uh, Chuck Berry is on there, um, but it's that, you know, the first, the first intelligent life sends a message to NASA and NASA's computers are going haywire. And it's like, oh my God, we're receiving a message from the extraterrestrials. What do they say? And they get the message and it says, send more Chuck Berry. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, now 
I want to just uh, point out that um, this is a this is an instrumental song, but I want to point out the name, um, which is "Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground." So, D, I'm going to ask you, or actually anyone in the car, uh, what do you think that title means? Dark was the night, cold was the ground. Yeah. Uh, I want to say rock bottom. Like maybe rock being bottom. at your lowest. Yeah, being at your lowest. Um, anybody else? What do you think? Dark was the night, cold was the ground. What do you think that analogy means? London said a dark moment or like a dark space. A part of sorrow. Music said a scary event happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So the way uh, that I've interpreted that. Uh, so first off, y'all got. I think you know because there's no lyrics. Uh, it's. Um, it's, you know, there's not a, a precise meaning to it. Uh, but I've always taken it as the sound of um, of escaping the plantation. Um, you know, because, uh, yeah. Come on, Dorian, we in the cooker for real? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know what? Let's just get into, into the song. Um, so let me make sure I got everything shared here and computer audio only. All right, cool. So this is Blind Willie Johnson's Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground. And just remember, it's all instrumental. It's all humming and moaning. Um, some people have even said that uh, it evicts um, images of the crucifixion of the Christ. So. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, so what are some initial reactions? Uh, I would say in one part you can hear the the pain of it, the heaviness of it. Um, but there was also a peace within it. Um Oh, I uh, I lost you for a second. Hello. Oh, there we go. Now I hear you. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the picking of the strings to me symbolized the unpredictables. Um. You know, and thinking of like the context around like what it would look like maybe escaping a plantation, you know, um, kind of gave that to me. But even in it, peace, um, I also felt some tones of endurance. Um, that's what I got. Anybody else? Yeah. Hold on. What'd you say, music? I said it sounded deep. It was like maybe it's like a sad. Yeah, music said it sounded deep and sad. Mm -hmm. What was deep and sad about it, music? Like, was that a piano or was that a guitar? Well, like the way like, they were playing the guitar slowly and they were playing it in like different tones. And also, the way the guy was humming, like, it's like a sad. Yeah, yeah. Could you, could you uh, repeat that to me, De Marisa? I'm just having trouble hearing him. Yeah, he said the way that the guy was playing the guitar and like changing the tones, even the way he was humming, it just 
it was like sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there, there's um, there's a concept uh, I learned about it um, years ago from uh, from military service, but uh, you know, it's it's the concept of like beauty in fear uh, and how you know, like you can be in a war zone, but actually kind of take in those moments of peace. Yes. Uh, you know, um, like, the, you know, I, I know people who they were in a Iraq or Afghanistan and, you know, we're on patrol at nighttime, you know, and there's always that uncertainty of what's going to, you know, be around the corner right. or, you know, uh, but there's also this moment of just like, all right, like we're here and this is kind of beautiful. Right. Um, and, uh, I get that from just the the sound of this this piece. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How about some other folks? Uh, what what would y'all would y'all get from this? I think everyone else is in awe still. When you first heard it, Dorian, what did you get from it? Oh, so I first heard it um, on an episode of uh, Cosmos with um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, actually. And they uh, explain it a little bit, but um, they play that music while showing an image from... I think the Hubble telescope of just outer space and, you know, the great unknown um, of just the cosmos. And uh, yeah, like I got this just, it was that kind of thing where it was like not knowing anything about the music or about Robert Johnson, uh, sorry, Blind Willie Johnson. Um, I just could sense that there was something deeper that I needed to learn about and understand and uh i've still not uh you know it, it's like what we talk about with the blues so often um you know it's too deep to understand like yeah. you know you start to get it like uh, a, a a piece of it and there's just more um and you know that that's that recording is only three minutes long and uh i still hear it as just something something it's it's connecting to something bigger uh than any of us yeah yeah so i definitely agree that was a good one yeah so what do y'all think about the slide guitar um i think creative Tone of like an old school instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even say some of the sounds are similar to that of like a ukulele. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was a very creative way to like bring us into the time, a timeless way too. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I, you know, just want to point out is that he's a blind musician. Um, 
you know, so he was not born blind, but he was impaired uh, very early on. Um, and it's, uh, it's generally agreed that he was blinded around age seven. Um, uh, that uh, was actually due to an act of violence um, by, by his stepmother. Um, it's not, nobody 100% knows, but that's generally the consensus. Uh, but so he was a blind man um, who'd been blind, you know, due to, due to physical abuse um, as, a, as a child. And uh, there's a part where, you know, he seems to have um, his other senses are, are almost enhanced because of that. Wow. And he was also, I didn't even mention this, but yeah, he was a Baptist minister as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of his other music, like, uh, keep in mind, this is before albums were a thing. So recordings, they didn't, they didn't make albums. They didn't uh, record the way that we do now. Um, so a lot of his stuff was really recorded in a couple of days at a, you know, in a recording studio um, that was a radio station. But some of his other recordings, you know, Dark Was the Night, Cold Was the Ground is probably his most well known. But uh, just, uh, I'm going to name three songs uh, that are well known by his, uh, which is Jesus Make Up My Dying Bed. Um, next one is John the Revelator. And then the next one is, is Nobody's Fault But Mine. And so, you know, I, I personally even get the sense that he's really uh, tackling some some heavy existential issues in all of his music. Um, yeah. 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 I don't know. Does that uh, does anybody else have any more thoughts before moving on to the next song? No, I think we're good to move on. All right. Cool. So. Um, this one, because we're trying to make this like a semi-shorter episode uh, and thought this would be fun to do. Uh, so this is actually, uh, so when I just a moment ago said, uh, said Robert Johnson when talking about Blind Willie Johnson, it's because this next song is by Robert Johnson. And um, Robert Johnson is another, uh, another, um, you know, genius from, from the blues era. Um, but he really is considered uh, to be um, probably the most important blues musician in the world. Uh, in fact, like, just as I'm kind of glancing over this, uh, there are um, well over a couple thousand artists that were directly influenced by Robert Johnson, including um, the likes of Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix. And in fact, this song, there's a really famous cover uh, by Eric Clapton when he was in the band um, Cream. Uh, so this is called The Crossroads Blues. And um, Okay, you know what, I'm just going to get into it. So uh, one thing that's really interesting is that Robert Johnson, um, there are only, I believe, two known pictures of him. Uh, he was a traveling musician. He used to go around to the juke joints all throughout the South, uh, you know, Mississippi area. 
Um, and uh, he um, only recorded two, like what we would call albums nowadays. Uh, however, um, I, he, he probably knew hundreds of songs. Um, and he died young. Uh, you know, we talk about the, the 27 Club. Are you guys familiar with that term? So the 27 Club is there's a list of musicians who all died at age 27. Um, The most recent being Amy Winehouse. uh, But, you know, Jimi Hendrix died at 27. Janis Joplin died at 27. Kurt Cobain died at 27. Robert Johnson died at 27. Um, I... It's an unknown, uh, unknown cause of death, uh, and it, it was not. Um, I, it was not reported publicly, um, and there has not been a uh, ever been a former autopsy uh, or uh, 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 really even a death certificate was ever um, found with them. So it's, it's a pretty mysterious, um, mysterious uh, death. Wow. Um, but this is probably his most famous song. And, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just read a little bit uh, to explain what the song is hinting at. Um, so, Okay, it's called uh, the Crossroads Blues. So a crossroad is a an intersection of a rural road, um, and it's one of the few landmarks in the Mississippi Delta. So it's a flat, featureless plain between Mississippi and the Yazoo River. It is a part of the local iconography, and various businesses um, use the name. So you know go up there to the crossroads. So like a crossroads is where cars are more likely to slow down and to stop. And uh, that's a place where a lot of uh, hitchhikers would go. Um, So in the most basic uh, sort of simplest explanation of this song is uh, Johnson uh, describes his grief at being unable to catch a ride in an intersection before the sun sets. However, uh, there are much, much, much um, deeper uh, questions on what this is. And so um, both versions of the song, because he recorded it twice, uh, it's the protagonist kneeling at the crossroads to ask God's mercy um, while the second section tells of his failed attempts to hitch a ride. And in the third and fourth sections, he expresses apprehension at being stranded as darkness approaches. And he asks that his friend, Willie Brown, be advised that I'm not sinking down. Um, What this hints at is that um, there's a myth that Johnson was at the crossroads to sell his soul to the devil for his musical abilities. Um, the devil is never mentioned, uh, but um, a lot of people have taken it that he is um, he is uh, 
falling down on his knees and asking, you know, asking God for help in which he does not receive that help. So he gets help elsewhere. Um, in fact, uh, th- there's a, a, another space to that, which is um, so blues historian Samuel Charters sees the song as having elements of protest and social commentary. So, uh, you know, the second verse includes the sun going down now, boy, dark going catch me here, which is a reference to the sundown laws or the curfew during racial segregation in the United States. Um so, uh, and I'm not going to use the word, but um, there, there, it was very common for signs in rural southern towns outside of uh, towns that said, N-word, don't let the sun set on you here. So Johnson may be expressing an actual, uh, very authentic and real fear of vagrancy charges or even a lynching that could happen to him. Um, and so uh, there's also a hint that um, he asked God for help and God was not res- giving him help. And so the devil uh, is who came to give him the help. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> super light stuff. Um, that was a joke. Uh, but um, any questions before uh, before taking a listen to this song? No, no so here, so here we go. I went to the crossroads, fell down on my I believe I'm sinking down 
Yeah. So what are some initial reactions to that? Um, that one, yeah, that one was interesting too. Um, it gave the narrative, almost gave me the, <laughs> it reminded me of a, a soundtrack to like an old movie. What do you think, Dorian? Yeah, what 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 do you mean by uh, soundtrack to an old movie? Could you elaborate on that? Like, um, I don't know what they're called. I don't know what they're called, but it gave me like the soundtrack of an old movie. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the 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 thing that I'm always blown away by is um the actual guitar playing is insane. Like <laughs> he's just like all over the neck. Like he's like he's getting so much out of the instrument. And you know, sometimes uh older recordings because they're like very small mics they're you know very monophonic in the way that they're recording uh it doesn't really get like the richness that we get in contemporary recording so i always think about like how loud that had to have been like if you were in the room with him and just how amazing it would have been to see him uh see him play um but the other part is um you know we uh as a culture, and I'm talking about my people for a moment, um, white people have done a really good job of whitewashing the blues. Uh, <laughs> that's my, that's my, uh, you know, um, I think standard sarcastic way of saying that, you know, we, uh, we whitewashed it and it's, it's um, got a lot of, got a lot of issues. So the, the, the way that it is, is, um, the blues now, like if you go to school for music, you learn um, about a form called the 12, 12 bar blues. And uh, it's not that the 12 bar blues are not are non-existent um, in the early days, uh, but we really standardized it so that it's 12 measures um, that kind of repeats over and over again. And, you know, keep in mind, I'm a person who played the 12 bar blues uh, for a long, long time. And, you know, it's a very, very, you know, good thing to know about. And it helps you understand music on a pretty intuitive level. Um, however, in these older blues recordings, it's not about the form it's about following the lyrics and the emotion. So there are like phrases that are just completely uneven. There are, uh, you know, just moments where he's speeding up and slowing down. And, um, you know, he's really just uh, following, following his, his, his gut, his, his emotional um, center is, is one way that I hear it. Uh, but then, you know, the other part is I just get blown away by the lyrics. Like, they're, they're really simple. Um, you know, the, the first one, it's just, uh, I went down to the crossroads, fell down on my knees, asked the Lord above, have mercy, save poor Bob, if you please. You know, it's 
pretty straightforward seemingly but then you know the next verse is standing at the crossroad i tried to flag a ride didn't nobody seem to nobody everybody passed me by third verse the sun going down boy dark going to catch me i haven't got no loving sweet woman that love and feel my care and then the last one is you can run you can run and tell my friend boy willie brown uh lord that i'm standing at the crossroad babe i believe i'm sinking down so like pretty straightforward oh that's a good ice cream cone by the way uh yeah pretty straightforward uh you know simple lyrics but it does tell an entire narrative um and yeah so i i'm i'm, I'm gonna pass yeah, I'm going to pass it back to you, Dee, uh, real, uh, but, you know, I've got more to say, but I want to hear your responses to that and anyone else in the car as well. You can hear the hopelessness leaving. I mean, the hope leaving. You know, I, it was almost like in the beginning. In the beginning, it's like, I'm good. I can handle this with God on my side. And by the end, it's like, just tell them they got me. <laughs> Just tell them they got me. Um, yeah. yeah, and that just, it's reflective of many journeys. Um, and like, I could always tie it into like systems of oppression now too. You know what I mean? I feel like when you're young, at least for me on my journey, um, being young, I was very sheltered to the, the harms and ills of this world. Um, and I feel like as I got to know him, I definitely had a hope um, and a, a naivety that I would be able to sustain and and come out unaffected or see a change. And definitely now, like, well, <laughs> if they get me, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the thing I wanted to say is that um, when you look at blues lyrics, uh, it's like the seed planted that, you know, eventually leads to it's like hip hop music that we listen to today. Um, you know, the, the, the way I've uh, just kind of always thought about it is that, you know, what, what is the, the blues? It's about, um, it's about, you know, storytelling. Um, but it's also about, you know, stating uh, what your circumstances are. It's just about it's about like telling the truth, even if it's through like a metaphorical space. It's just it's all there's always something very authentic to it. And, you know, that that's hip hop to, to me. Um, you know, you really do learn about the. Uh, the inner um the inner struggle as well as the political structures um you know the all right so i'm gonna go on a rant uh if that's okay <laughs> uh, yeah so all right there is you know how many young folks have we worked with who are stuck in a circumstance and if nobody had passed them at the crossroad you know, somebody had just picked them up in the second verse of their life, they yeah. wouldn't have had to turn to the devil to get yeah. to get support, you know, yeah. in that fourth verse. Mm. 
That was and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta use that. Yeah. <laughs> We're quoting that one. That was good. Yeah. So, you know, and like it gets, so I'm going to like do like a breakdown on each verse. So like the first one, he's at the crossroads. So he's at a challenging situation and he falls down on his knees. So he is being submissive. You know, if you talk to, you know, uh, every, every Muslim, for instance, that I've ever talked to uh, inside, they always talk, you know, cause, cause, um, you know, I, I tell them about my own kind of spiritual and religious experiences as well as learn from theirs. But they always talk about that um, the purpose of Islam is uh, is to be submissive. You know, so it's about submitting to something larger than you are. And, um, you know, there, there's there's also a concept um, just in philosophy called the sublime. And it's that um, that sense of when you see something that you find powerful and beautiful, but you're also intimidated by it. So like that sense that you get, if you like walk up to the ocean or you like look over a cliff where it's like, this is incredible, but you also know that if you were to, you know, fall into it, you would be, you would, you know, (laughs) the force of nature would, would have the power over you. So, so, um, so it's just so, uh, you know, that, that's what I'm getting right off the bat is he's having like a sublime sense, you know, he's at the crossroad and he falls down on his knees. Well, so then we get to the second verse and he's at the crossroad. Um, and oh, and by the way, uh, the first and the second verse, the first verse and the second verse are the only ones that he actually says he's at the crossroad. So to me, that is he's at his situation. Um, and he's right. trying to flag down a ride, but nobody seems to know him and everybody keeps passing him by. Uh, this is, um, you know, to be like, let's put it in American culture. You know, that's that is uh, the systemic issues. That's the lack of social structures and social services. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's it 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 would have been. Real easy to get picked up if they had arrested him, but he's like being submissive and asking for help, and no one is, no one's even looking at him. Uh, you know, uh, and and he's trying, he's trying to flag down a ride. So it gets to the third verse, and 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 this is um, there's a, there's a lot of layers to it. So the sun going down, uh, it says. The sun going down, boy, dark gonna catch me here. I haven't got no loving, sweet woman, that love and feel my care. So two two things. Uh, First off, on a musical note, uh, this is such an influence to hip hop where his use of the rhyming uh, me here, like catch me here and then feel my care. Like those words don't, don't straight rhyme, which is like, very much the way that uh, white folks are taught on how poetry works. Uh, I'm serious. I'm serious. And uh, whereas I, I have learned from, um, from uh, just, you know, blues and hip hop culture, uh, you know, black, black vernacular culture is that while being in the moment that there is an exploration of actually the sonic use of the words it's not about the literal rhyme it's about the you're going to make it rhyme uh yeah. so so 
that's just something I uh, am, you know, just in my own political deconstruction, that's something like I'm always blown away by. Um, <laughs> so, Are yeah. Uh, too. Oh, say that again? I said you use this technique in your freestyle too. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. in there. It's in there. Yep. Um, but so it says the sun's going down. Um, and, uh, you know, like what is like that? That's that can be a literal uh, thing, you know, about the sun is actually going down and it's about to be dark time. But it's also uh, to me implying, you know, like he's losing daylight. He's losing right. the light within himself. Um, and all right. So before I get to the fourth verse, but um, there are two uses of words in here. The one he says uh, is uh, the sun going down boy. Uh, boy was a derogatory way in which um, elites spoke, uh, spoke to, to black folks at this time. That's actually like one um, reason jazz musicians were actually calling each other like, yo, what's up, man? It was, uh, you know, and, and, and like you even hear it with uh, with like the Nation of Islam folks where they, you know, call each other God, um, God and queen and, and king and all of that. Uh, so there is an implication where he says it says the sun going down, boy, the dark going to catch me here, uh, that he is feeling that oppression of darkness. But the other part is um, I haven't got no loving sweet woman that love and feel my care. Sweet woman indicates uh, the way I'm interpreting it is um, motherhood and or companionship. Uh, he's alone, um, you know, and I mean, this this gets into uh, just the relationship of um, of of men and women in these these spaces um and he's definitely coming from the male perspective so he's calling out for help uh from 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 a woman um so finally you can run you can run and tell my friend boy willie brown lord that i'm standing at the crossroad babe i believe i'm sinking down and so that to me is like that's a shout out to his you know to, to his to his dudes uh that's a shout out to willie brown um and this is where uh you know the, the darkness has gotten him uh he's he's now in the hole he's he's sinking into something and you know it's really interesting uh and then i'll i'll pass it back to y'all and i'd like to hear what you think in the car too uh you know the 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 other folks in the car but it, there's no mention of the devil in here and yet it's like pretty clear i think that that's what he's talking about or that's what he's hinting at um and i mean i don't know like uh maybe it's because uh everybody says that about this that it's about making a deal with the devil uh but um yeah yeah i i, I think the the biggest thing is that you know at the beginning he's literally pleading to god and then he clearly doesn't get any help at the crossroads and he's sinking down, which implies he's going, going the other way, going with the other guy. Right. So, yeah. So um, I'm curious what y'all think um, in the car, uh, it, but you know, and, and you as well, Marisa. Um, 
Music, what did you think of it? <laughs> I think this one went over their heads, Dorian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, though. Uh, let, don't don't worry about the 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 you know everything that I just threw at it. Like, what do y'all think of the song? What did you think of the song? It was deep. He said it was deep. Just how Dorian was explaining it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you relate to being at a crossroads, like being in a place where you have to decide what's good for you and not be sure? Hmm? He said no. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, that's good. That's me. good. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, you know, I, and he definitely seemed to have succumbed to the heaviness of, you know, whatever it is he was facing. Um, No woman with me. To me, that was such a tangent. And I wanted to understand what necessitated that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, well, when I was hearing it, that was my thought. But I think, um, I think it's like, at the pre-lead. What do you think about that part, Dorian? Uh, you broke up for like a sentence. Did you say that last part? Oh, I was saying like I was trying to figure out why he mentioned not having a woman. Like to me, it was such a tangent, and, you know, in the grand scheme of it. Like you're talking about being at this crossroads you're talking about reaching out for help and not getting any and feeling ignored and all of that stuff. And then out of nowhere, you're like, I ain't got no woman. What did you need a woman for? Where'd that come from? Um, But when I think of the narratives of overcoming, there's usually some crazy love story too. So maybe that was it. I don't know. What did you think? I mean, there's a couple of things, uh, you know, um, a lot of times people who, uh, you know, th- this isn't just men, but, you know, people who try to escape, uh, you know, quote unquote, need to have uh, have love in their life. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's related to trauma um, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, so I have a sense that, uh, you know, he's at this crossroads and he's about to like, get into the total darkness and, you know, someone specific flashed in his mind that he realized he had, you know, somebody he had lost. And, um, you know, it's that kind of thing where he's about to face something much larger and, uh, 
yeah, I think he had someone specific. Um, so one thing, y'all that are listening, yeah. um, and sorry to do this to you, D, but uh, th- one thing about lyric analysis that's amazing is you do get insight into a lot of people's psychology. And I uh, mm-hmm. was immediately noticing that D. Maurice's response was that that lyric was a tangent, which uh, have you experienced tangents like this? Oh, it, what do you mean? Like, have have you witnessed people like it, have have these kinds of tangents? Um, like, uh, let let me put it this way: someone who says they don't want anything to do with you until all of a sudden they need you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. See, that was that was a hidden gem in there. That was a hidden yeah. gem in there. I was just like, I was definitely off guarded. Like, um, so where'd the girl come from? <laughs> yeah. But that context, it makes so much more sense. But then even more than that, Tris or his mom. Yeah. Another like figure. I was like, oh, I can, I can feel that. Because when you think about you, I mean, not everyone, but in your lowest hour, right? Like, you start, yeah, I would, I'll be looking for my mom too. Like, the, <laughs> the world is consuming me. Somebody help. Um, yeah. So that was a deep one. That was an interesting tangent. Yeah. All right. You got time for one more? Uh, um, yeah, sure. All right, cool. So this is actually, uh, I think that this, this is another example of um, songs that were uh, whitewashed and we don't really get to experience them the way that they were originally intended. But uh, this is a song called This Land is Your Land. And um you know, it's a song that a lot of kids sing in like preschool. Uh, there's, it's done in a lot of patriotic like events, things like that. And people do not know what the song is about uh, and have never uh, uh, really considered where, where it was coming from and why it was written. So um, it's a folk song by uh, American labor uh, songwriter Woody Guthrie. Um, who was basically, uh, so Woody Guthrie was um, a known labor activist. He was a member of the the Communist Party at the time. Um, He was a major uh, activist for um, specifically like a lot of mining workers. Uh, And so a lot of his music was critical of uh, of the American system and the American structure. but he wrote this song in particular because the song God Bless America by Irving Berlin was played all over the place on the radio. And uh, Woody Guthrie was really bothered by the idea of American exceptionalism. You know, God bless America, land that I love. It's like, I'm, like screw this, like, fuck this, you know. Um, like, that's that's what are you talking about? Um, like there's, 
that like America is not an exceptional place. And um, so uh, the idea was um, that instead of writing a piece of music uh, that was about um, sort of an elite or uh, um, have you, have you ever heard of the term, um, the, uh, oh my God. Um, it was basically, it was the justification that, um, white slave owners used, uh, to, um, to take over territory from the indigenous, um, Andrew Jackson was a big proponent of it. Um, wow. I'm brain farting right in this moment. Are you familiar with the, with the concept? I, I I know you are, but I'm just uh, curious if you're familiar with the yeah. specific concept. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so uh, basically, Woody Guthrie took this as um, as uh, expanding upon just just the idea that there was like this God ordained. Um, approach to you know whatever america is and keep in mind um this song was written in 1940 uh you know the great depression was going on um uh world war ii was was really starting to to amp up um yeah so anyways um i'm just gonna get into actually playing uh the song and this is the original recording uh from 1940 um, and this is Woody Guthrie. So here goes. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me As I went a-walkin' that ribbon of highway I saw above me that endless skyway Saw below me that golden valley This land was made for you and me I roamed and rambled and I followed my footsteps to the sparkling sands of her diamond deserts. All around me a voice was sounding, this land was made for you and me. When the sun comes shining, then I was strolling, and the wheat fields waving and the dust clouds rolling. Voice was chanting as the fog was lifting. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land, and this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. Sun comes shining, and I was strolling, and the wheat fields waving, the dust clouds rolling, the voice coming chanting, and the fog was lifting. This land was made for 
Are you there? I'm here. Okay, cool. Yeah, we lost your uh, video. Oh. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, any initial responses to that? Um, I'm very aware of the song. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny because of London falling asleep and um, she woke up singing it because she heard this song. <laughs> She's like singing it with her eyes closed. Uh, very familiar with the song. I don't agree with the message one bit. Um, I don't know. There's a There was just like a tone of white supremacy on top of that. Mm. You feel disconnected and uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah and it just symbolizes for me a lot of false hopes and false truths yeah and it sounds like with the singer for the singer too like I don't know that he was you know truly believing the idea that this land was for all of us either because I didn't get that from his tone yeah, that's uh, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I was noticing that he like stumbles around. Yeah, like, like the guitar playing, like there's like a part where it feels like he gets lost, like he like almost seems to forget the lyrics. Um, yeah, and it's it's uh, I uh, also knowing who he is and knowing, you know, what his beliefs were, it's um really interesting that this is his like most famous song um you know it, like it's to the point where like we teach kids that like you said london was sleeping and just woke up like singing it so like that's how embedded in our unconscious it is and and yet it's like almost like a sarcastic response to um to the song about you know god blessing america um yeah what do you think of that oh and you're muted right now still muted i said i think those are my sentiments that song just left me with a really creepy vibe Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like it's interesting because uh, it's kind of like we learn this song in preschool. Like, I think everybody does. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's never it's a false narrative like you telling. I mean, and I don't want to make it about race either, but a part of it is like racial. Um, you know, you're telling a little young black girl or boy that this land was made for them right in preschool and then they go and start learning their history and here you know learning about the different ways that their ancestors were oppressed and harmed 
Um, that's a lie. They'll make the connection that that's a lie. And that's in a literal sense. Um, but the song itself kind of symbolizes a lot of those spaces to me. Mm-hmm. It's a little crunchy. Yeah. Yeah. And- Can't hear you, Joy. Dorian? Can you hear me? Um, yes. Can Can you hear me now? Yes. All right. Is it less quality? Yeah, but it's okay. I yeah, can hear so you. I just unplugged my microphone and I'm using the computer mic to finish this off. Got it. Um, yeah, but uh, no, it's um, like I imagine, you know, singing this song to, you know, a group of indigenous kids, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whose land was stolen. Oh, um, that's a oof. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, uh, the, the other part about it is, you know, this um, artist, Woody Guthrie, wrote a lot of, I would say, like, anti-American songs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the standard uh, thing where people hear the words and they don't understand the deeper message that he's actually trying to convey. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, I, I, you know, I, I've always taken this song as it's, uh, it's sarcasm. Um, yeah. And, and it's also very dark that, uh, it's literally his most popular song. And by the way, when you learn this song, how many times do people go, oh, yeah, and this was written by a communist? Uh, <laughs> you know, has that ever been said? I don't think it ever was. <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy also wrote songs called Tear the Fascist Down and like all you fascists are bound to lose like those are songs of his he has a he has a song called old man trump it's about donald trump's dad because his dad was uh woody guthrie's landlord and he called him a racist like bigot in the song it's yeah it's called old man trump like it's from like 1930 something and it's just like wow okay <laughs> like um, and it, it's, it's like that kind of thing where this, nobody knew about this song and then like, it kind of resurfaced in the last couple of years because of, you know, the obvious Donald Trump becoming a chaos for everybody. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, could you imagine learning old man Trump in preschool, which is about Donald Trump's racist dad? Absolutely not. I died. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah and it also i mean it shows like i think uh in a certain sense like it kind of shows how these things are just so built you know it's like (laughs) like 
<laughs> I can't even put my word, uh, my words to it, but, um, you know, there's a song that's basically 90 years old. That's like literally talking about the same fucking family that we're still like, dealing with today. Um, right. Avoiding like the plague. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Um, we've been on, this is supposed to be a short episode and it's turned <laughs> into a 90 minute, but, uh, you know, we wanted to do something kind of kind of more like this because we've got some cool ass guests coming up pretty soon um, that uh, you'll learn about. Plus, uh, we're going to be recording an episode about an experience that we've been having um, that we've been kind of keeping DL. Uh, and uh, it'll be it's a heavier topic. Um, and yeah, that'll be being released soon, too. So. Uh, anyways, um, did you want to say anything before we close out, D? No, I'm There's good. No All right. And with that, uh, you know, don't forget you can support us on Patreon if you like what we do. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, follow us on, uh, we've got the Facebook page. I think we're going to, uh, Demarice is working on getting our Instagram up uh, whenever that happens. Yes, yes, yes. I'm working on that. Yeah. And also, uh, since this is dropping on Saturday, uh, August 20th, if you're hearing it beforehand, go to Curb Fest if you're in the New York area. Um, do you want to give any insights on what Curb yes, Fest is? Curb Fest will be happening at the People's Church, which is um starting one of the many um black liberation movements um so please come out it's an event to raise awareness for and around political prisoners um also if you're a person just in the community journeying and are looking for resources there are going to be uh, at least 20 organizations from all over New York City with information um, and, and means and methods to support individuals in our communities. Uh, we're going to have some food, we're going to have some music, and we're definitely going to have some fun. We have some amazing, dope youth leaders speaking, talking about their journey in community organizing. Um, and also just like we owe it to our political prisoners to support this event. Remember, these people are not in prison for murder or they like to allege those things, but, um, or any other act outside of exercising their political freedom. They are incarcerated for having a political view. Um, and that is not okay. We can't stand up for that. So we want to give those folks support. Um, also, a lot of our pris prisoners have been incarcerated since the, the, the um, early 70s. And so we have folks who are, you know, who are struggling with all types of medical ailments. Um, folks who have never even just been given the opportunity to process the trauma of being a, you know, a leader and what it is to be a prisoner for 50 years. Um, so we definitely want to give, give as much support as possible. There will be a drop box at the event so you can write a letter to the prisoners. We have a list of prisoners that we're going to be talking to. And 
Last but not least, um, Baba Seku, who is one of the first 21 of the Black Panther Party, is uh, one of the organizers in this process, and he will be present. Yes. Baba Seku, free to stop Shakur. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, and many other um, Panthers, we also have extended invitations to Fred Hampton Jr., so they may be in the building. Um, the Young Lords may be in the building. Um, current chapters. So please, like, it's just going to be amazing. It's all over the place, and everyone is here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll see y'all at Curve Fest, and we'll see y'all next week. This is Dorian Wallace and... Z. Marisa. And we'll catch y'all next week.